This is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Emily Mishler. Emily Mishler is the founder and managing director of The Cultivated Group. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thanks so much for having me, Gigi. You're welcome. I'm honored to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? Sure. So I am from Indiana in the middle of the U.S. I love it. Now, tell us more about your either growing or dying principles. Um, you're jumping right in. I love it. <laughs> so throughout my own life experience and also learning from those who have lived before me, um, th- whether it was reading or mentors or whatever you want to call it, growing and or dying, and not only as a principle in nature, but also something that I've realized is also relevant within my own life. So leaning into that, um, as I've not only been in my personal life, but also in my professional life, zooming out, as I like to call it, and really taking a solid look at what is actually going on over a span of 15, 20 years, even 10, sometimes five years, based on habitual patterns of behavior, based on outcomes that I have felt either led to pursue or felt like I was betraying myself and engaging upon. As I've been doing my own kind of self and personal analysis while also learning from other people and instituting principles that other people have shared from their own learning, I realized that there were really two options when I was making decisions. And even now to this day, when I make decisions in my own life, either they are fueling my purpose, passion, mission, values, vision for the world that I wish to see, or they are taking an opportunity away from that. So the way that I like to think it, and I think it's actually Tony Robbins who brought this concept to life really, but the way that he talks about things and the way that I believe things operate too is either you're fueling those good things in your life or you're feeling otherwise, which by the nature of the way that life is, either you're growing and feeling those good things or you are feeling you're dying. I mean, I don't really know of a way to put it other than that, but I started to realize that on a very personal level throughout my daily decisions, whether it was what I choose to put in my body nutritionally or what I choose to put in my mind or the people that I surround myself with, either those things were fueling the life that I wish to see and the the life that I wish to create with the limited time I have here, or they were fueling otherwise. And at the end of the day, for me, it's that simple. That is wonderful. Now tell us more about your create whatever your life purpose is principles. Um, create whatever my life is purpose is principles. Um, well, I believe at the end of the day, there is a higher power that guides us, but I also believe in the power of choice. And with that choice is where we can exhibit and flex into our own power. And throughout my own life, the result of where I am today is the series of the choices that I've made thus far. And the dreams that I've had that have fueled those, despite them being enhanced or tainted with fear or enhanced or tainted with any any limiting belief or anything like that, um, I believe and act as if I have the ability to influence my own life based on the decisions that I make, which very much goes into the same, you're either growing or dying principles. Um, so in that... I believe also that my a part of my life's mission is to be able to help empower others to be able to to know that they too have choices that influence and impact the life that they wish to live. So basically, it's not that your entire the entirety of your life is within your own hands, but you do influence the way that you experience things, which also influences the outcomes that you have. So there's power in the choices that we have, and I think when I've spoken before on creating the life of your dreams and the principles that kind of align with those, it very much ties into the power of choice. And whether we acknowledge it or not, or know it or not within those little daily decisions that I mentioned earlier, that's where we turn the dials. It doesn't always need to be this crazy pivotal midlife crisis of a decision. You can tweak the dials and make little tiny shifts in your decision-making and even the way that you talk talk to yourself and even the way that you believe in yourself, you can program those in as habits for yourself in your own being so that you can, again, close that gap from where you currently are to where you wish to be. That's right. And there's a quote that you live by daily, correct? Be the change you wish to see in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. Now tell us more about your get quiet principles. Sure. So um, I had realized throughout some of my own experiences and, and again, even just looking at society as a whole, we have the tendency to, it is so easy to be distracted. It is so easy to drown out our own inner voices by not only the opinions of others and the beliefs of others, but also the actions of others. 
And if we don't intentionally look inward, it can be, it, it can just be a habit to look outward for not only validation, but also for a quote unquote formula for success or a formula for life, because it's sometimes easier to model off of other people's behaviors and then choose to act in alignment with what their model or their formula looks like without actually getting in tune with, our, with what our own could. So I say this because in my own life, I had found myself at some points following someone else's formula. It was more of a prescriptive formula to what success could look like. And I had also found myself at some points, and this was in my really early 20s, um, I had found myself becoming this subconsciously, completely subconsciously becoming the shell of other people's expectations. So although I had had faith and although I had had purpose and although I had had different experiences that had shaped me thus far, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I really knew what the point was. And if you're living out a mission that is as big as be the change you wish to see in the world and to live in a way that is um, not necessarily outwardly influential, but to live with a mission that is that robust. I mean, you've got to have a solid foundation. And at the point I was really noodling with this and toying with it and massaging it and figuring out what that looked like within my own day-to-day -day life, I didn't feel like I had the foundation to support the mission. So that, that in itself required me to get very quiet and required me to go inward and start really listening to my own, to my own intuition and to my own, to the inner voices that I have for my own life's purpose and mission, rather than scrolling through Instagram and seeing what was actually going, what was going on with other people's lives and how influencer media is driving the decisions that I was making based on an algorithm. I mean, it, I say this because it just, it just supports my thoughts that it is so easy to be driven by other people's opinions and that is why I believe it's so quiet because there is only one you on the entire face of this planet. And if you're constantly caught up in the comparison game that is social media or the compare, and I, I think there's so many benefits to social media too, but if we aren't holding ourselves accountable to engage in it responsibly and have a balance between external validation and external amplification of our goals and our own internal voices, if there isn't a good synergy with that, it has the ability to really be limiting as far as our beliefs and as far as our actions and what we believe is possible for us when we use it in a comparative way rather than an encouraging way to, um, to more so expand our view of what's possible versus compare and contrast where somebody else is versus where we are. So I say this because again, it's easy to get distracted. It is very easy to get sucked into social for an hour and you might not even realize you're scrolling. It's very easy to, um, to just be in that habit. And I would encourage you to go inward and figure out what's driving the behavior that you feel like you need to be on social for an hour out of habit, rather than using that time to read a book or journal or dig into some kind of meditation or some kind of principle that may in fact, um, expand you in a different way that you might not have otherwise recognized. That's right. Very powerful. Now tell us more about your perception principles. Um, perception of what? Can you expand that a little bit? Yes. In regards to your perception of things in this society, what is your belief on that? My belief on perception. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, self-perception, in my opinion, self-perception drives all of your decisions what you believe is possible for you, what you believe you have access to. what And that doesn't mean that there aren't different, um, that doesn't mean that a societal structure doesn't exist that doesn't limit others. But if you believe that you can do anything that you set your mind to, that self-belief and that perception of yourself being able to accomplish those things can move things in ways that I cannot even articulate and understand. <laughs> so, um, I say this because something that I have found helpful with myself and the clients that we serve and within much of the examples of friendships that I have in my own life is that self-belief is the driving force of incredible amounts of success. And that doesn't necessarily mean financial or professional success. It also means success in other areas of your life. And if you don't believe you can do something at the end of the day and your perception of yourself isn't that you are someone who is worthy or deserving of whatever you are pursuing, 
you are likely creating a barrier or obstacle for yourself. And going inward is a part of the formula for being able to really have a look at what is driving that obstacle creation, what's driving that um, that belief that might be holding you back from really leaning into one of the the like core meaty parts of your life. That's right. Believing in yourself truly matters. Now tell us more about your rejection is re just redirection principles. Sure. So um, I had a mentor who at one point said rejection is simply redirection. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the stories that we tell ourselves and so caught up in the, again, opinions of others that we don't pursue things because we don't want to fail. And I've, I've totally been victim to this too. I mean, I have used perfectionism as a form of procrastination. Like I would not engage with something because I didn't want to be perfect at it. And again, I talked a tiny bit about zooming out and looking at things just from like a pattern of behavior perspective with my own life and also within our clients and the perspective of others and have just zoomed out and realized that I've actually held myself back from some really incredible opportunities. I haven't even pursued them because I didn't know if I was capable, which ties together the zoom out, which ties together the getting quiet, which ties together the um, self-perception and self-belief pieces of what we've already talked about. I mean, it's fascinating. But when I realized that from my own belief system, there is a guiding force at the end of the day, and I am not in complete control, and that my beliefs and my actions and my choices can influence my day-to-day -day experience. And leaning into that, it's been really interesting because I realized that for me, failure isn't really an option anymore. I mean, I might not reach every single goal in every single way I would have planned or expected to based on any kind of projection. But I learned things along the way that prepare me and equip me to be ready for whatever the next obstacle and or challenge might be. So rather than viewing failure or rejection as this big obstacle, I've reframed that in my mind to be, um, to be more of a guide and it's much more of a redirect. And I didn't understand she, the mentor of mine introduced the topic, but I didn't really understand it until I had experienced some difficulties in my own life and realized that that was absolutely the case. I don't want to get every job I apply for. It's not to say that I'm not selective in what I apply for, or this is just an example from earlier in my life. I was thinking the other day about jobs that I haven't gotten. And at the time, I think it was devastating to not have received the opportunity that I thought was meant for me. But it turns out there was another one just around the corner that I needed to refine my resume or refine my interviewing skills in order to be prepared for that. And I think that lesson and that kind of way that's packaged translates into so many different areas of our lives. Wow, that is wonderful. You're truly a warrior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do our best. Yes, now, can you tell us more about your company, The Cultivated Group? Yeah, so we were, the idea came about about six years ago. Um, we are an impact-based consulting firm comprised of three different companies. So The Cultivated Group is the umbrella. The subsidiaries are called Cultivated Ventures, which is where we specialize in for-profit business development, fundraising, business strategy, that kind of thing. Um, basically, the people that we serve, their question is, how are we going to make this happen? They have a big idea. They have a dream. We reverse engineer it and make it into bite-sized, actionable steps to make those dreams happen. Um, the second subsidiary that we have is called Cultivated Change. That's where we focus on all nonprofit entities. So we serve different clients very similarly to our business development and our for-profit, just the services that we provide are exclusively for 501c3s and c4s. Um, and that too is business development, it's fundraising, it's prospecting, it's making sure that they have the business mind to back up that servant's heart that is necessary in order to do the impact-based work that many nonprofits do. Um, and the third entity is called Cultivated Creative. That's where we get all the creative juices flowing. So it's a little bit of a lot of things. I kind of like to call it the creative bucket, which is where we have a boutique uh, publishing firm. We have a series of cat or not cat books, but we have a series of children's books <laughs> that um, we lean into and are creating, not only creating, writing, illustrating, but also publishing. Um, we do some web design. We do some creative strategy. It is where a lot of different creative endeavors live, but very, very fun and very uh, 
very workshop-esque and studio-esque in the way that it operates. But everything that we do is under the premise, be the change you wish to see in the world. And we're hoping to really bridge the gap between dreams that are currently not only mulling around in people's minds, but that are going to make the world better 10, 20 years from now, bridging the gap from those dreams to actually make them a reality and also give to give access to those who might not otherwise have the opportunity to do so access now. That is fantastic. Now tell us, you're welcome. Tell us more about some of the projects you're currently working on. Sure. So we are working with an organization. They are non-political, but they are all about working in the in freedom and creating creating a dialogue and a conversation within the millennial community about principles of freedom and liberty and how those apply to every day. Um, which that has been really interesting. We're doing some development work for them, making sure that they have the funds that they need in order to make their dreams a reality. We're working with an organization that is very, very new, but they are hoping to build a few things in space. Um, and what we're doing is getting the development operation up and running, connecting them with not only a strategy that's broken down based on industry, but really connecting them in being able to, for them to have the right conversations with the right people at the right time in order to be able to receive funding, partnerships, different um, strategic synergies that are going to be necessary in order to create the first of this kind of operations, which is amazing. Um, and a big emphasis of what we're working on right now is really launching this children's book series into the world. So I had mentioned a little bit earlier, and this is kind of just hitting on three different subsets of what we're working on right now um, in a little bit of a vague way, but I mentioned a little bit earlier my own experience, some of which has been traveling around the world. And um, it's been incredible. It has been not as recent due to different uh, COVID and other different obstacles that have been happening, particularly over the course of this year. But I realized after I had finished up an MBA, I realized in order to be the change I wish to see in the world, that implies that I understand a little bit more about the world. And if I am going to be a part of the driving force of what is this organization for impact that we're that we are building through the Cultivated Group, that requires me to have a better understanding. So took it upon myself and just leaned in and trusted a lot of what life had to offer, trusted a lot of the higher powers that I believe in and had a tremendous experience traveling around the world for about 18 months, um, all of which I kept off of social media, which it was the lessons, the cuisine, the connections, the culture were the driving force behind these children's books. And the goal of the entire the goal of the entire brand is really to plant seeds to empower kids to to know exactly what we're talking about exactly it's all about the power of choice it's all about talking about connections versus a lot of the differences that are often touted through mainstream media talking about different cultural connections about cuisine it's really about promoting cultural competence and connection through these different things so that we can create a more collaborative world because I believe anyway, and we believe with the Cultivated Group that um, the best way in many, many ways to be the change we wish to see is going to be through collaborative partnerships. So that's something that we're looking to grow and build. That's right. Now tell us more about Esme the cat. <laughs> so she, she's super cute. She's super cute. Um, culturally ambiguous, very, very darling, really obviously in her name is curiosity. So she's very curious and she travels around the world going on different less, going on different adventures to different locations, learning different lessons while educating children, um, just about the different cultural elements, whether it is cuisine or, um, different animals that are local and endangered to that, to whatever area she's visiting. Um, she travels around the world just providing different tools and lessons for kids to be able to learn about places they might not otherwise know about, animals they might not otherwise know about, teaching and learning them how to, um, excuse me, teaching them how to cook, learning how to use measuring cups. I mean, there are tons of different lessons and tons of different ways of engagement through the brand that we're really building out. But our first three books are now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and Walmart, as well as um, by request at independent bookstores and through our website, which is listed below. So we're leaning into launching our first three books right now with a fourth on the way to plant seeds for children to be able to, again, effectively have the confidence and courage to know that they can pursue their dreams and create the life of their dreams while also be the change they wish to see the world. I love it. Tell us more about your vision for your children book series five to 10 years from now. 
so it had honestly it's gone so quickly and so well <laughs> that i'm not even sure that i have a vision for it really i do believe that this is going to be a lifelong um life sorry there's some sirens in the background a lifelong adventure for me um and not only for me but also for the partners that we've brought on in so many different capacities because we have people on the team who speak the same language so we are really leaning in and the first three books have been published with within six months and as far as the publishing industry goes that is incredibly incredibly fast so um we're hoping to have at least five, if not seven per year for the next five years. Uh, we're also launching different free resources for teachers, parents, guardians, other kiddos to be able to, again, fuel those, fuel that realm of possibility and fuel that expansion possibility for themselves. So based on the U.S.'s core curriculum, we're creating curriculum guides that should be available within the next week. I'm so excited. Um, different curriculum guides for teachers, parents, guardians to be able to use core standards that are already in place in over 40 states to work through the books. So they're not only getting educated through the books, they're also able to use that as um, educational material within the classroom and also building that out so that they have different activities for um, gratitude and mindfulness and leaning into different emotional, social, emotional um frameworks and expansion, levels of expansion, ways of expansion that might not otherwise be available in times such as these. So we're creating different free resources. We're creating community around this. We're really excited to actually get in schools and also in different communities who might not otherwise have access to travel or locations or um, other free resources and books. And we're, we're expanding in all directions right now. So it's a really exciting time for the companies and I can't wait to see this. We are less than a year in, so I cannot wait to see what the next five, 10 years hold. That is absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to reading the books as well. Now, you mentioned gratitude. Can you tell us what gratitude means to you? Oh, man. I wish that I had a faster answer for you because when I think about gratitude, rather than a what it means to me. I know what it feels like. And it just, it feels like, um, I mean, it's just noticing all of the little tiny miracles that are happening around us all the time. I mean, I'm looking around my, my studio right now and there's a beautiful tree that I have saved. <laughs> <laughs> and there are, um, it's, it's just looking around and observing all of the incredible things that are happening around us and relishing in the fact that I get to experience them and just leaning into, despite everything else that is going on, leaning into the appreciation that is right here, right now, this space and breathing. <laughs> that's what for me right now, that's what gratitude is. Amen, I love it. Now, can you tell us more about your experience as Miss Purdue? Yeah, so that was a few years ago now. I was Miss Purdue 2014 and had a tremendous experience. Um, I was not planning to get involved in the Miss America organization whatsoever when I was in college but ended up paying for college myself and needed a way to fund, fund the experience. So I ended up being an RA, ended up finding out from a mentor of mine that it was, um, that it was a possibility for me to compete in the Miss America organization. So it combined a lot of my passions at the time, which were public speaking, interviewing, um, loved working out. So love working out, um, and making sure that my, my body is nutritionally fueled, which is, was an element of that at the time. Um, working in philanthropy, volunteering, kids, sparkles, performance, loved it. So got involved back in, when was that, 2012? Um, and competed for a few years before I won my first title, but had the opportunity to represent Purdue University's West Lafayette campus as Miss Purdue. And I mean, I leaned in very much, um, I'm sure your audience and you can tell when I go into something and when I pursue something, I really lean in and just lean into the fullness of the experience. And I did that with Miss Purdue and just loved being an ambassador for a place that I love so dearly and had the opportunity to have incredibly interesting conversations with people I otherwise wouldn't have and to serve um, particularly underprivileged communities with children that I otherwise wouldn't have and to be able to provide 
a sense of inspiration and also um, unity and beauty and encouragement to people who otherwise might not have that as a part of the conversation was such an honor to be able to connect in those ways, not only to people who are within the Purdue community, but also within the greater Lafayette community, which is where um, which is where Purdue University is. So, I mean, it was a tremendous privilege and one that I love, loved so, so much. That is fantastic. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. Now, can you tell us more about some of the challenges you've experienced in your life? Sure. So, um, you know, it's hard for me to even like touch on this because a lot of the things I think at the time when we see something or experience something that is a big challenge, it feels like this insurmountable mountain that is so, that can feel so difficult to climb. And once you are over that peak and once you're over the mountain, it doesn't seem as big as it did. So some of the things in my life that I've perceived to be challenges don't really feel like the challenge they once felt like, if that makes any sense. And I, I think it's because we learn and I think it's because we get stronger every time we're challenged in those ways. So um, my parents were divorced or got divorced when I was eight and we moved for the first time at that point. And growing up, grew up on a farm, had an amazing, amazingly creative childhood, tons of outdoor time, pretty much zero tech time. Um, and it was awesome. And I think that's where a lot of my now creative problem solving and strategic mind simultaneously came into play as well as just vast imagination. Um, so yeah, they got divorced and my dad was outed as a homosexual man. And at the time, um, and still to this day, he's, he's someone whom I love so deeply, so deeply. And at the time, especially growing up in a very rural place in Indiana, I didn't really know what that meant, particularly as an eight-year-old. Um, but I do know that the fabric of society at that time was woven in a very different pattern than it is now. And the conversations that are being ha had now, especially when it comes to the LGBTQ community and inclusivity and kindness, those were not a part of the conversation back in the early 2000s. So um, that was a really challenging time. Um, and also one, one that I don't think is talked about as frequently, but will be soon because the conversation is now shifting. So um, that was a time when I experienced, that was a seemingly hurdle, although it wasn't, I mean, I wouldn't change it. Um, I wouldn't change it. What else? I don't know. I love that. <laughs> what have you been challenged by in your life? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, sexual assault and domestic violence I've had to overcome. What do you, what do you think was like the key to you being able to even imagine overcoming as a possibility on your radar? Definitely having God first yeah. in my life for sure. And prayer truly helps yeah. as well. Yes, ma'am. Now I know we've spoken before, and you know, you know, you mentioned as well that you had a homosexual father growing up. For the audience that's listening right now, what are some advice that you can give to them in regards to just really coping with that as well and understanding that it is okay? You know, I think a lot of people, and again, this goes back to the going inward thing. A lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions, particularly when it comes to someone someone's view on what fatherhood means and someone's view on what marriage means and someone's view on what um, even homosexuality means and love means. I think we all can get really caught up in our own identification and our own definitions of what these things are so much so that it can be difficult to remember that leading with love is the ultimate truth as far as I'm concerned. And at the end of the day, it was it was really difficult growing up, especially growing up in the church, knowing that I was being judged for my father's preferences and what had happened within the adults in my life. I was being judged for and I was being shamed for and I was receiving a lot of other people's stuff and a lot of other people's opinions because I was associated with someone who had done something that someone else was not comfortable with. And being as an eight-year-old, as a 10-year-old, being on the receiving end of that was really confusing because I didn't understand, I didn't really understand what all of it meant. Um, so I think if anyone is either struggling or has gone through something like this or um, 
has questions about it, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that one, we're all human. We may be divinely led, but we are all human. And two, there is, you will, and this is, again, pers- all of this is completely biased based on my own experience. <laughs> I'm very aware of. But I have never gone wrong when I've led with love and when I've led with curiosity and have stood strongly in my own beliefs while still honoring the other person. And I think sometimes we toe the line in projecting our own beliefs and our own preferences on other people when at the end of the day, sometimes it's just really important to listen and to lead with love and have that have that just be what it is. Um, a lot of the things, especially when it comes to especially when it comes to the stuff that we're talking about right now, it can get really messy and it can get really ugly and it can get really heated and sad. You know, it, it breaks my heart to see, it breaks my heart to see so much judgment and so much shame just being thrown around at people by people. And I, I think if we are, despite our preferences and despite our belief differences, I do believe at the end of the day, we can connect through love. And we can connect with loving the neighbor as thyself, which implies that you love yourself. And it also implies that you throw that love onto somebody else, which as far as I'm concerned is a much more fun and much more fruitful way of living and leading with joy and leading with love than it is leading with judgment or leading with shame. So um, I don't, I can't remember if you asked for advice or what exactly you had asked for, but I think at the end of the day, leading with love is one of certainly one of my biggest priorities and something that I wish as that eight, 10 year old would have been made more readily available to me. And I think something that we can do to make our future better for children who are going through something like this. That's right. Love is love. Now, Emily, was there a time in your journey where you experienced an aha moment? Oh man, like every day. (laughs) Um, So something that I, I lean into is what I call the art of creative living. So although I love structure and although I love, um, I love planning and I love like, I mean, creative strategy. Like I love being able to nail down a framework and just play with it. But I also understand that I don't know everything and that life with a capital L comes in and just does his magic sometimes. So I always leave a little bit of room for creativity to come into play and in engaging with that every day. And that kind of as my leading lifestyle. And I think too, that goes with leading with love. I mean, we can always introduce humor into a conversation that's heated and tone it down a little bit, you know, like just, just bring humanity back into the conversation. Um, but in, in leading with love and engaging in art, in the art of creative living, it's, I am visited by aha moments multiple times a week, if not every day. And typically it's about things that I, um, I don't, that I wouldn't have otherwise been open to. I think an inherent openness and curiosity as a driving force of the sometimes decisions that we make can really serve us. That's right. Now you mentioned having a creative mindset. Where do you think that stems from really? You know, I don't know. I think a part of it is learned. I think it's kind of like anything. Um, part of it is learned and a part of it is innately who we are. I think everybody has a creative spark. Some just let those juices flow in a different way than others. Some need to express it in different ways than others. I think we all have this creative ability. It's just a matter of what it was fostered like when we were kids. Or I think a huge asset for me was that I didn't have any tech growing up. And I that wasn't like a huge part of the conversation for us. So I was outside pretending, playing on dirt piles, like running around with pigs all the time. And I am so grateful for that because not only am I almost, it's almost to a fault independent, um, but I have the ability to create create things out of dirt piles. I mean, and I, and I have confidence in my ability to do that, which goes back to the earlier part of our conversation too. A lot of it is about self-belief and self-perception. And until I started getting quiet and realizing these things about myself, I didn't even identify with the word creative. I didn't, I didn't believe I was creative despite having done and experimented and played and all these different things for whatever extended amount of time I had. So um, I think we're all given different amounts and different kind of creative experiences that we can lean into. And 
also knowing that you actively engaging in the gift that is your life is inherently creative because you are the only one who gets the experience that you have. So that by definition, it requires creativity. And yeah, I think sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves and other people with the boxes of understanding that we put them in. So an artist is inherently creative or I don't know. I think we have these perceptions of titles and people and things that aren't necessarily always true. And we do a disservice to ourselves when we believe we are not something because our title isn't something. So I'm not creative because I'm not an artist. That's not true. That's not, you might not identify as an artist, but that does not mean you are not creative. And it's the same thing with intelligence. It's the same thing with kindness. It's the same thing with many of the values and characteristics that we hope to carry through in our day-to-day life. Again, a lot of it goes back to self-perception and what we choose to fuel and grow and what we choose to not in our own lives. That's right. Now, you mentioned before that you didn't believe that you were creative. When did your mindset shift for you to believe that? It was when I loosened the reins. I mean, it was like within the past six months. Like I'm telling you. And at this point, I had already like written, published, like have created a few different companies, have done clothing collections, have had a taste and flair for photography and cuisine and like cook, like for all intents and purposes, by anybody else's definition, I was creative. But by my own definition, I didn't perceive or believe myself to be that. So I didn't identify as that. So it, there wasn't like one big aha moment, but there were a series, basically, I think the big change happened when I loosened the reins. And I realized that in order to be a whole valid, worthy of all of the beautiful and good things in life, in order to be a person who was able to encourage others and believe in these and do and dream and all of it. In order to do that, I needed to just loosen the reins and have faith and trust and lean into, I don't know, lean into the gift that is my life. And once I did that, um, really incredible things started to happen, but also I started to realize, oh yeah, I actually am creative. That's funny. (laughs) I just, I think I just released the need to be, to be completely defined by that. And rather than like a pivotal piece of my outfit, it's an accessory. And that's great. That's enough. That's right. Letting go and letting God truly matters. And I will tell you, you are definitely creative. (laughs) You're welcome. I don't know. I think so too, but (laughs) take a minute. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Now tell us more about what gives you joy in your life, Emily. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. Um, So I have this thing that I do every morning. It's a standing calendar appointment with myself and it is three things. Um, Actually, I'll just read it to you. It might be easier. Yes, please do. I love it. I love it. And I do it every day. Uh, So I promise there's a point to this. So I set intentions for the day and it's just prompts that I have for myself. You disappeared. <laughs> oh no. Uh, it is today I show up in the world, colon. Today I feel, colon. Today I want to make others feel, colon. How can I show up more joyfully today? And then three points of gratitude. So in doing that for me, uh, it centers me, but I think the things that I find and even zooming out and looking at the prompts that I've had over the past six months, especially, but really a year, two years, as long as I've been doing this exercise for myself, leaning in, and looking at the patterns about the things that have brought me joy, it's been the most simple things. I mean, what am I grateful for? At the end of the day, I'm so grateful for my studio. I'm so grateful for my home. I mean, I'm grateful for my family and the love that they show me and how they challenge me and how they challenge the belief systems that I currently employ and how how I'm challenged every day by what's possible for me has become one of the things that I'm most grateful for because I know that's the thing that keeps me growing. Those challenges are how you get better and stronger. It's like any kind of, it's like when you're trying to get more fit, physically fit, and you're going to the gym or you hire a trainer or you're trying a 30-day program or whatever you're doing, you start at one point and you set the foundation for what your end point will be, knowing that that foundation is not the end point. 
But in order to get from that point A to point B, which is the foundation to your 30 day after picture or whatever you want to call it, you have to go through those challenges and your muscles have to tear and rebuild and rest and be challenged and all of those things. So I know that anytime I'm challenged, and this goes back to the same thing we were talking about earlier, this goes when, I mean, it speaks to when um, rejection is redirection. It's the same thing. Challenge can also be redirection too. Challenge can help you grow if you choose to allow it to. So um, the things that make bring me the most joy tend to be the most simple. I mean, even for me, access to clean water, not only am I so grateful for it, I am a huge water drinker. So <laughs> that's something that brings me a lot of joy and helping other people to be able to accomplish accomplish their dreams and even being able to commune with you and talk about purpose and talk about like, talk about our own experiences as we've gone through some crazy weird stuff and still being a champion of that and learning how to not only survive and not be a victim of the things that have happened within our lives, but to truly be an example of what's possible, I think is such an incredible thing. So being able to engage in things like this, I, it brings me so much joy, but also, I mean, creating and playing and being outside in nature. I mean, so, so, so many things bring me joy. What brings you joy? <laughs> I love it. Well, my relationship with God first and foremost and really doing what I'm doing yeah. and continuing to have these amazing guests such as yourself on my show, it, it truly means the world to me and to be able to provide value to the audience in a variety of topics. So truly grateful for that. And that's what brings me joy in my life. Yeah. Yes. Gift, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Now, can you explain to the audience how important it is to maintain a positive mindset? Oh, yeah. And this doesn't mean perfect, but it does mean positive. So something that I mistook for a long time, I had this thing, told to call it a thing, where I, I would project positivity to the point of, and project optimism to the point of not acknowledging pessimism or the alternative. So if you're thinking pendulum swing, I let the pendulum swing and mandated that the pendulum swing so far to the right that I didn't even acknowledge that the left existed. As far as I was concerned, anything center left did not exist. So in doing that, I did myself a disservice. So that's what I'm saying. It's not um, positivity to the point of perfection, and it doesn't mean positivity all the time, but a positive mindset will transform the entire way that you see the world. And not only is that a comprehensive kind of just package of what we've been talking about the entire time we've been on this conversation already, but really moving forward in order for you to, in order for you to fulfill your life's mission and purpose, or even discover it or pursue it or be a better mom or be a better parent or a partner or be more loving to yourself and show goodness to the world in that way. In order to do those things, it's important for you to not only acknowledge both sides of the pendulum swing, but, but remember that hope is a key ingredient to moving forward. And that in my own experience, and I think in your experience too, faith has always, faith and trust have always been a part of the conversation, but also there's hope. There's an idea or a dream that something can be better and leaning into that, especially when stuff's getting crazy, especially when it's turbulent and you're not really sure which side of the seat you should hold on to in the midst of all the turbulence, knowing that there is the possibility that, that it can get better will help you to stabilize and help you to make decisions that will serve you longer term rather than just making snap decisions that are more reactions in the moment when things feel the most crazy. So if you can lean into not only developing and having a positive mindset, and we also touched on this a little earlier, it's all about the dial tweaks. It's not about these massive changes. People, I think sometimes we catastrophize change because we're afraid of it, but we also make it, um, and, and in some cases it is absolutely essential for them to, for a massive pivot to happen. I've done that a few times in my own life and it's been incredibly terrifying and incredibly worth it. Um, but I think it's important for us to, I don't know, to just make sure that we are appreciating the fullness of the experience and to maintain those little dial tweaks as we move forward so that we are getting ourselves in the habit of thinking positively and thinking joyfully. And a part of the reason that I have that standing appointment with myself every morning is simply so that 
it's simply so that I hold myself accountable to seek gratitude because and seek joy. Because if we're not in the habit and we're not in the pattern of seeking these things and seeking things that are going to effectively enhance and grow our lives, again, it can get really easy and be really easy to get distracted. And you are in control of the decisions that you make and you are in control of the ways that you choose to move forward in whatever direction you're being led to go. So I think it's really important for you to understand the power of your ability to transform and enhance your own mindset as you make those choices, because that positivity can help drive you forward in ways that you might not otherwise have intended or known were possible for you. That's right. And how important is it for individuals to have positive self-talk versus negative self-talk? That's like a total game changer. And I thought when people had told me that a few years ago, I thought they were nuts. I mean, I, I did not understand the importance until I started to realize how important this, the talk that we have and the narrative that we have regarding our own selves is when it, when it comes to our lives and our happiness and our joy and our gratitude and our faith. I mean, the way in my, my experience, the way you love yourself and the way you love others is a direct reflection of your faith and is a direct reflection of the love that you have with whatever spiritual experience or religion you believe in. That's because right. Love thy neighbor as thyself literally implies that you love yourself, which implies you having an honest, transparent, authentic, kind, grateful heart towards yourself. And sometimes I think that can get lost in the conversation because we focus so much on loving thy neighbor. We so we focus so much on loving and caring for those around us when in fact it is equally as important, if not more important for us to also focus inward. That's right. Now you mentioned God a lot. How important is your relationship with God to you? Oh my gosh. It drives, it drives so, it drives my life. I mean, and I think growing up, in so I grew up in both a Methodist and a missionary church and my own spiritual experience having having that and also having some of the belief systems that come with those particular denominations as a part of the recipe for what Christianity meant to me at the time was really confusing because at the end of the day I think I've I've talked about religion throughout our conversation I've talked about spirituality and rather than now, as I've gotten older, for me, rather than being focused on the specific denomination that I subscribe to as a belief system within Christianity, my focus is love. My focus is love. And as I've also traveled, I've realized that many other religions also focus on love and belief and faith and trust as core ingredients to their spiritual practices as well. So the spirituality that I interact with is a driving force in my own life. It's the thing that I trust the most. It's also the thing that drives many of my decisions. Um, I certainly wouldn't be, if I didn't trust, if I didn't trust that, I don't know what I would trust. Amen. Especially in everything that's happening in the world at the moment. That is very true. Yes. Has it been very difficult for you during this time with COVID? Um. Not as not from a faith or a spirituality perspective, um, but it has been interesting. So I didn't mention this, but I stopped traveling because my father was diagnosed with a terminal cancer last September. So he ended up passing in February. And due to the nature of my work, I was able to go and be at all the different chemo treatments with him and just spend time with him. And I am, I am so abundantly grateful for that time. I can't even articulate it because... It was so, some of my most treasured memories were there with him and those are now not possible anymore. And it's been really interesting because he passed away and then two weeks later, the world effectively shut down. So going through, and he is someone who is, who will always be tremendously important to me, but learning how to mourn the loss of a parent and how to grieve the loss of a parent in the middle of physical isolation in the middle of Indiana, when I had been traveling around the world for 18 months by myself, to go from the geographical variety and the cultural variety that I had been experiencing throughout that time to being physically mandated to stay in one spot in the middle of somewhere that I was familiar with, 
from the beginning of my life and it had a transformational experience and then come back to without being, without having any kind of a transition period. That's, I think, what was really hard in learning how to have patience, but also to accept the reality of the reality of life that death is a part of it too. And um, that has actually been really just a really big lesson. I mean, sometimes we talk about dreams and we talk like we, we have the conversation that we do, but I think sometimes it's really, really easy for us to forget how short life is. And it's not like my dad was old. He was 65. Like that's right when people's next chapter of retirement is beginning and the entirety of his life ended. Like it, it blows my mind to think about how much time we waste you know, and how much time we spend. It just blows my mind to think about how much time we spend turning the wheel of other people's expectations when in reality, at the end of the day, like we've spoken about today, it's really simple. It's really simple. I mean, lead with love. You have a limited amount of time. Honor yourself, honor those around you, honor your life and go forth. And yeah, I think the the things that I've been working through personally have been some of the most transformational lessons that I could have learned, particularly under the age of 30. I mean, I, I don't know that, I don't know that I would have woken up in the ways that I have had this not happened. And despite the tragedy and the terrible, the terrible loss and the terrible things and the turbulence that we've experienced collectively over the past year, Despite that, I do think there have been lessons that will be beautiful and seeds that have planted that will be so fruitful. But I also, that is very much a positive mindset. So I think it depends who you ask and who you talk to in order, yeah, just what perspective they'll bring to the table. But I do think despite some of the darkest times and hours, and I'm sure your story too is a testament to this, some of the most beautiful strength and just shining beacons of hope can come from that too. That's right. First and foremost, my condolences to you and your family in regards to your father. Mm -hmm. And also, you're welcome. You mentioned that you learned a few lessons in, during this time with COVID. What's the biggest lesson you learned? A lot of mine was has been about self-love. Um, I think with a pandemic derailing all of the business plans that we had, <laughs> <laughs> effectively for an entire year. Um, it required a certain amount of nimbleness and agility and ability to pivot, but also redefining goals. And something that I had realized for myself and my team and the awesome clients that we have and just the incredible operation that we're building out, subconsciously, I had been holding myself to the same standard and to the same goals of levels of accomplishment that I had been prior to COVID. And also prior to my father. So I was really hard on myself and I didn't outwardly express it to anybody on my team. And I don't think anyone else would have known otherwise, because that's not the kind of leader that I am. I'm incredibly honest, but not, not brush <laughs> and not unkind and not, um, yeah, it took me a long time to allow myself to realize how hard I was being on myself for not accomplishing and achieving the milestones that we had set out at the beginning of the year. And even in the second quarter of last year that we had projected for this year until I realized that again, self-love and compassion come into play here. Not only have I personally been going through one of the most turbulent times of my entire life, the world has too. And that understanding and that knowing and that empathy and compassion that not only I'm showing to other people, I also deserve to show myself. So when we talk about our relationship with ourself and our relationship to positive self-talk and self-belief and um, even defining our realm of what's possible, the gateways of what's possible fling open when I show myself love and kindness. And that does not mean letting myself off the hook because I also am my own toughest critic. And that doesn't mean I do not hold myself accountable, but it does mean showing myself the same kindness, understanding, and empathy that I would someone else in my own position. And that 
for myself and also for our business has been really transformational because again, I loosened the reins. I love it. Now, when did you realize you had to pivot once COVID hit? The aha moment. Honestly, I think it was January. Because wow. I, I had seen some things that were happening and I was also really caught up in our, we were caught, my entire family was kind of caught up in what was going on in our own world um, because we hadn't experienced any, I'm really fortunate to not have had experienced any kind of um, terminal illness in our family in that capacity that closely. So we were very caught up in the palliative care in the, um, just care of the end of life care that we needed to and really being caretakers. So despite that, I was still serving some clients. The team was, our, our team at the Cultivated Group was doing some incredible things. And I was keeping a pulse on what was happening with the news and realized I hadn't booked any travel for all of 2020. I kind of felt like it was a nudge and just saying, hey, you know, this might be a good time. And this is this is the way that I lean into creative living and creative play. Sometimes we'll just get nudges or notice something that might be a little bit different that we kind of pay attention to. And I think part of what's happened to me over the course of this year is just I started paying attention to my own life. And um, yeah, so January was still keeping an eye on what was actually happening with the news and started to see a few things that were happening in China and just got this nudge like maybe it's good to sit tight. You know, maybe staying close to home, being with the family, making sure the foundation of these businesses that we've been building, but really honing in on over the past two years, making sure these businesses foundations are set so that by the time we're really launching, taking off, scaling and growing, we're good. We're not needing to do like maintenance work in the middle of the air. You know, our runway is set. We're good to go. And it was interesting because I came to that conclusion in the middle of February, which was about the same time that my dad's illness was really ramping up again and ended up being the end of his life. And so I had realized stability was going to be very important at that point and just physical geographical stability. So um, my team is fully remote anyway. So none of our work had changed at all, really. Um, even throughout COVID, our workflow hasn't changed as much, but the ways in which we operate have become different. And the, I think the early identification of some kind of a pivot needing to happen and a loosening of the reins and really leaning into a fluid movement rather than rigid stakes in the ground was really important early on. And we were also able to not only provide support for our current clients, but really help others who needed it at a pro bono level to make sure that they had their bases covered because especially around Indiana, small businesses have been closing like crazy. And I know a lot of the rest of the country has been experiencing that too, especially over the course of this year. And I, I really, I hope that we're able to move forward in ways that honor, honor the principles, not only that our country was founded upon, but also the directions that we want to move forward as we continue to learn more about this. Likewise. And I will tell you this, you're a very wise woman. <laughs> For planning ahead. You're welcome. We try. We try. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what is your best advice for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? You know, I'm just going to circle back to what we were talking about earlier. I think a lot of it is about getting quiet and leaning into your faith and leaning into those little nudges that you get when you get redirected, whether it is a job opportunity or a, um, a stoplight that goes out and you need to go a different direction. I mean, I think life, spirit, God, whatever you want to call, whatever driving force is at the, at the helm of your life. It's speaking to you all the time and getting quiet and leaning into your own life's purpose, not only makes your life better and more fruitful, but also helps others to be able to see that's a possibility for themselves and also provides them access to things and lessons that you may learn along the way. So as far as living a life of purpose and moving forward in that direction, just get quiet. And, and even if you feel afraid, do it anyway. Don't be stupid, but do it anyway. You know, life is very, very short. Very short. I love it. Very powerful. Emily, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast and for sharing your story, your knowledge, your wisdom. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks everybody for listening. It's great to be here. Thank you. Now, where can the audience find you? 
Um, if you want to find us on social, we are at The Cultivated Group. We are also on our website is just thecultivatedgroup.co if you're curious about working with us or anything that we're up to. A lot of our information is on that website as well as social. If you'd like to hear more about the children's books or get involved in the world of Esme, as we like to call it, um, our website is EsmeTheCuriousCat.com and our social is at EsmeTheCuriousCat. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Emily at TheCultivatedGroup.co. And again, check out her children's series book at EsmeTheCuriousCat.com. And Emily, thank you again so much for being a guest thank on Walk so Have a great day. Take care. Bye.